2: here on Big Sunday, 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. Chris Osaro, Chris Tenpenny, the Chris and Chris show here. on, a, It's actually supposed to be pretty warm today. I think it's like going to be almost 60 today, which is weird because we still got all the snow on the ground. So I'm pretty excited for the weather today. I might get outside and get a little walk in. I am going to attempt... To watch NASCAR today, I uh, no football on. No football. Today. <laughs> this is the first Sunday in a while. There's been no football at all. I mean, I mean, two Sundays ago we didn't really have football either. We had that parody of football, but I mean, this is going to be weird not having football on. So I, 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 I have insulated myself from it a little bit. I've got uh, the NFL Network on here in the studio, and they're showing the Packers Steelers Super Bowl from 2010. So you know it, i'm I, at least I'm getting some kind of football, but uh it's this has been a weird weekend not having football around for a while. You get used to it, and you kind of take it for granted, and now we're going back to having to not watch it again, so this is gonna be weird um but I did take a peek at the n b a all star weekend th- throughout this weekend. I watched it yesterday on, on delay because uh, I had things going on Friday night. And so I was like, you know what? I'll watch that on delay. I'll watch that later. Uh, and so I watched the Celebrity All-Star Game, which is one of my favorite parts about All-Star Weekend. Really fun. Uh, the the Jimmy Allen kid, who's the uh, the country singer, really good he was so much better than i thought he was like i didn't think like i don't expect any of these guys to be good in these games but it was him and then whoever that olympic gold medalist dude was for the high jump he was awesome in that game like he 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 actually like like him and jimmy allen actually looked like they were actual like at least college basketball players. Like he was actually playing like he was, he was playing like he was like playing in the NBA Finals. Wherever that Olympic medalist dude was, he was out, it was like Tamber Tam Tamberer, Tom Tamber or something like that. I don't know. He had an accent though. I don't know where he's from. But he was balling. Like he was dunking a couple times and just flying to the rim. The dude was out here playing like he was playing for a contract. And then Jimmy Allen was out just launching those four point shots. Which, by the way, I would not be opposed to the NBA putting a four point line in in there. Like they got to make it further away than what that four point line was in that all in that All Star game, because it, that's about where a lot of guys are shooting three point shots anyways, like Steph and them. So maybe want to push it back a little further. But I wouldn't be opposed to them putting a four point line just for fun. Like I'd, I'd be interested in that. I, I think that would be fun just to see point guard, especially because once they figure out how to do it consistently, like if they get hit it for like 30%, if they can hit 30% from the four point line, like, boy, that, that would be uh we'd see some pretty monster scores in the NBA. I'd be all for that, but I was entertained by the game and I, I haven't watched the Rising Stars game because I don't really I don't really care about that. Like that's not really entertaining. It's just a you know, basically a college all-star game essentially. Those guys haven't quite acclimated to the NBA level quite yet. But then we get to All-star Saturday night. And I wasn't planning on watching it live because I was gonna go out, go to Longhorn Steakhouse and have a nice date night with my girlfriend. And you know, early in the afternoon, we were like, you know what, kind of tired, been a busy week. Let's just have a night in. Let's just chill, do our thing. And so we got takeout, ate, you know, ate it at home. And I was like, no, let's let's turn on this NBA All Star Saturday because there's nothing on te- television. I mean, there's really nothing on TV once college football and NFL ends. Like, not a whole lot on television at the night at night. Maybe if you're a KU fan, you watched them beat, was it West Virginia? I think it was last night. Like, you probably watched that. But I was checking out the the All-Star Saturday night, and it was pretty good for the most part. Like, the skills challenge is a little weird. Not a big fan of them doing the team aspect and changing up everything where it's like, we're going to have a team of rookies, and we're going to have the Andetokounmpo brothers And, you know, we're going to have a team of Cavs players doing this, this skills challenge. I don't think that was very entertaining. Like I'm not interested in watching any Cavs players. And I know that their team's actually doing pretty well this year. And, you know, they've got some young talent on that team, but that team's not a contending team. Like if they were to, if this was in like the Bay area and they were to do the, the Warriors, that'd be interesting not interested in watching any Cleveland Cavaliers players do a, a skills challenge. Like, I just, that that's not, that doesn't pique my interest. I uh, wasn't interested in the Anadokounmpo brothers because two of them aren't even good. So I, I wasn't about that. But I think that the three-point contest was easily the best part about that, about that, about that event last night. Like, that felt like it was the big-time showdown there where all these guys are trying to show off their chops as three-point shooters. And to be honest, like, the three-point shot has become, like, a a premier part of basketball now. Like, obviously, you still have, like, great dunks where someone, you know, drives down the lane and posterizes somebody. Like, that's still fun to watch. But we don't get that quite as much now because – there's a lot of guys who are like, yeah, I mean, if I get an open three, I'm I'm gonna take that over, trying to drive it and and get an easy basket at the at the at, right at right at the goal. I feel like the three-point contest now is overtaking the the dunk the dunk contest because let's be honest here. That dunk contest was trash last night. It was bad. Not only for not only because of the fact that the guys we're not stars, but none of the. I mean, look, we've gotten to the point now where we've seen so many dunks, so many unique dunks that now guys are just trying to do dunks that they can't actually do, like the the Jalen Cre- the Jalen Green kid from Houston, who has great hair, by the way. Like I thought my hair was was really good. That kid's hair. I need to I need to talk to his stylist. His hair is really nice. He was awful just the worst guy I've ever seen in a dunk contest. Like this is a number two overall pick, a guy who many people think is going to be a future star. Some people thought he was the best guy in the, in the draft and he could not do any of the dunks that he really wanted to do. Just kept failing over and over. Try to do this. Like he had like an NFT on his, on a, on a phone that was hooked up to a, a gold chain and he put it on, and then he gave it to I think Doctor J, who was at the, the scores table. He's one of the judges of the contest because he's like the the original king of the contest. And I just remember him failing over and over again to do these to do this dunk. And it was just like, dude, just do a simple like three sixty and just get some points. You know, take your thirty five and go home. But he just kept trying to do the dunk that he could not actually do over and over again. And it's like, at this point now, there's nothing to gain from having the dunk contest anymore. Because none of the star players are going to do it. And so you're going to have guys who aren't as athletically gifted as the star players doing this dunk contest. And they're trying to do dunks that they can't actually physically do. So I just feel like, I mean, think about it. Like every other person is like trying to dunk over somebody. They've got somebody that's on their team or somebody that's famous. Like, I'll hold the ball while I jump up and dunk it. You know, like that's what Cole Anthony did. Where they had, he had his dad, Greg Anthony, hold the ball up and he just, you know, grabs it from him in air and dunks it. And he couldn't even do it. He kept messing it up over and over again. And then you had uh, the kid, I can't remember his name, from the Warriors. And he just jumped over uh, Andrew Wiggins to do it. And he couldn't even get all the way over him. He had to use his hand to, to help him get over Andrew Wiggins as he dunked, which should automatically destroy his score. Cause if you're going to jump over somebody and you got to put your hand on them, you didn't jump over them all the way. He leapfrogged him. Basically. It wasn't the same thing. So like that takes away from the dunk, but I think he got like a 40 something for that. I just, I, I wasn't impressed by it because you have guys who aren't as athletic as the top stars in the league trying to do dunks that they can't do. And it just, at this point now, there's no point in doing it. And, and frankly, what ends up happening is it shows you why the all-star game model is obsolete. Now, I'm not saying we got to get rid of it. I'm just saying that we got to get used to the fact that it sucks because it's not going to get better. There's no incentive for it to be better tonight. I'm going to watch the all-star game. I'm not going to seriously watch it. I'm going to turn it on and I'm probably going to watch old Super Bowl highlights on toy on Facebook. Like that's probably what I'm going to do on Facebook, uh, YouTube like NFL throwback has a great channel and they have like condensed versions of all these old games from back in the day. I'm probably going to find a nineties football game Uh, that I can watch, and I'm going to watch that. Maybe I'll watch the AFC Championship game for 95 between the Steelers and the Colts. I don't know. Like, I might do that because I'm not going to be paying attention to this all-star game because it's not intended to be good. It's just intended for these these guys to have a fun exhibition and make some money. That's what it's about. The all-star game model back in the day was meant – as a way for us to see the best players play against each other on some of the best teams we possibly could. You know, nowadays, it's just a silly cash grab exhibition. These guys don't have any incentive to play hard. Like 15 years ago, they played hard in the Pro Bowl. They don't now. It's basically two-hand touch with pads on. And the reason why is because there's so much to lose. NFL players don't have fully guaranteed contracts, unless you're Kirk Cousins. They don't. And because of that, there's no reason for them to try 100% in this game. Like, I don't want Patrick Mahomes diving for a first down in the Pro Bowl. I don't. Like, if he throws, if he has to throw the football, you know, and, and, you know, throw a bunch of interceptions to not get hit, I'm cool with that. I don't care. I don't want Travis Kelsey getting hit below the knees because he's trying to go out there and stretch out for a touchdown. I don't want these guys trying. I want these guys to be as safe as possible so that they don't have an injury that hinders their performance next season. And the same thing applies for the NBA All-Star game. NBA All-Star game is in the middle of the season. Not only do guys have their financial future at stake, they also have the future of their team at stake. LeBron James is a walking injury report now. Hurt all the time. He is, at, he is the definition of injury prone right now. Do you think he's going to go 100% for the entire 48 minutes? No. As a matter of fact, I imagine he's probably just going to spend the whole time trying to be John Stockton and passing the ball to everyone else so he doesn't have to use too much energy and run the risk of pulling a groin or something because it seems like that's what he keeps doing every time he gets hurt. He's not going to want that to happen. None of these guys are because they understand that there's something bigger at stake than performing well in a meaningless exhibition. So if that's the case, then we just have to understand that that's what all-star games have become the only all-star games that really matter now like the MLS one kind of does cuz they're they're usually playing against a, a better team from Europe so they want to prove themselves cuz the MLS is trying to up their up their profile the baseball one they are but that's because they have stakes and because baseball isn't as physically taxing for a single game as like football or basketball, like the risk of injury isn't nearly as much. And I mean, I, I guess they do in hockey. I don't know. I don't watch it, but I mean, I, I, I know they do try to hit people in that game. So I imagine that they, they will, they will try to a certain extent, but as far as like the NBA all-star game goes, as far as the uh, pro bowl goals, we just have to accept that this is just what the game has become because of so much money and because of team performance at stake Players and owners don't want their players going out there and playing at 100%. And so because of that, I just think we need to accept what the game has become and understand that it's okay for it to be that way. Coming up next, I tell you why the blog post put out on Eric Bieniemy's relationship with Patrick Mahomes was a hit piece. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. on Beat Sunday, 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. Chris Inosero, Chris Tenpenny. Me and, me and Tenpenny were talking about this during the break. The last good dunk contest was probably when uh, when uh, Blake Griffin jumped over the car. And he jumped over that key. The last time. That was like a decade ago.
1: They just had more theatrics and you know got after it a little bit more than they yeah. do now. It's just like... Was it was it great jumping over the car? Maybe not as much, but like at least it was like a show and a production that we it could was, get into.
2: It was better than a guy dunking in Tim's. That was whack. Like that, I'll tell you this. I know he got a good score for that. Like a forty. I think he had a forty-five. I think Cole Anthony got a forty-five for that. That didn't deserve no damn forty. I would have gave it a six. That wasn't. That was not, I was like, I understand like, and I'm sure I don't wear Tim's. Like I have Tim's, but they're like, they're not the Tim boots. They're the like sneaker boots or whatever that Nas was uh, repping a few years ago. So they're not the traditional Tim's. I've never tried to jump in Tim's and I'm sure it's hard, but like if you're in the dunk contest, I'm pretty sure all those guys can dunk in Tim's. Like that's just not that impressive. I'm just. I was not impressed by that whatsoever. The NFT thing. The dude Jalen Green couldn't even do the dunk on the NFT. So it was like, what do you? What you can't? If you can't even do the dunk on the NFT, why are you even doing that? Like, um, was it the the Warriors dude had to leapfrog Andrew Wiggins because he couldn't clear him? Like, and and. And you could tell because they always like lean their head forward a bit because they know he ain't gonna he gonna hit me in the back of the head. So I like, always have to lean their head forward. Like I, I just know. I was like, dude, I can't. I, I, I can't. The dunk contest is not, 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 not the way it used to be when like Dwight Howard was able when he was doing like the Superman or I. I, I don't know if this was Gerald Green or not. Somebody in that same dunk contest like had a cupcake that was like, that had a candle in it. was that was, that was, uh, and they, and they, when they did the dunk, they blew out the candle and the cupcake. That was cool. Like, I'll I'll do that. That's not like a great, like, that's not as a great physical feat as like what Jordan and the rest of the guys were doing back in the eighties and nineties, but like, it's still creative. It was, was it Gerald green. Yeah, it was like, I'll take that. Over I'll take that over what we're seeing now where guys are dunking in Tim's or not able to do a dunk that they have on an NFT on a chain. Like I'll take, I'll take that. The dunk contest has fallen significantly, but on to more serious matters this past week, a anonymous group known as the, uh, that called themselves the chief's kingdom editorial board published a blog post. I'm not going to call it an article, but they published a blog post slandering the uh our our now former hopefully I I want him back uh in uh offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy for the uh Kansas City Chiefs. And the main allegations that were in it were that Bieniemy felt like Mahomes hurt his chances of becoming a head coach. Bieniemy overhauled the Super Bowl game plan that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes laid out. Biennemi called all the plays since the 2020 season, and and it was in his contract to do so, and he did not take player input at all. I think if you believed what was in that report, and I'll say this. I do believe that there was some friction between Mahomes and Biennemi, because let's be honest here. It happens all the time when you got people who are, Uh, who have big egos and working together, you have disagreements. I've worked with with people here at 610. I've had disagreements with producers, with people I was hosting with. It happens. If you listen to all the daytime shows, I guarantee you behind the scenes, co-hosts have had disagreements on content. I've seen it happen before. I've been a part of the discussion. I, I know what it's like. So believe me, Stuff like that happens all the time. Happens all the time in every field. You've probably had coworkers that you've had disagreements with, bosses that you have had disagreements with. It's just, it just comes with part of the of the of the territory. You know, I've yelled at my boss before. Not spec, but our boss before. I've yelled at him before. Like it's happened. So that's just gonna be a part of of nature when you have people who are very competitive, who are trying to be the very best that they can possibly be, you're going to have that friction sometimes. So I believe that aspect of what was put in there. Everything else I think is BS. And I believe the reason why it was put in there was because whoever put that blog post out wants to scapegoat Eric bien for the loss in the championship game. And I understand Because I, as a fan, I used to have that instinct too. like, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story before I was able to like get into the Royals a lot because they were on TV a bunch. I used to kind of root for the baseball teams that I could watch on TV a lot. So in the nineties, I watched a lot of Braves baseball because uh, they were on TBS superstation. I could watch Greg Maddox and all those guys go out there and play baseball. Pretty much almost every game because they were on TV all the time. And then in the early 2000s, I could watch the Chicago Cubs. And I could watch all of their games because they were on WGN. And it was easy. And I was like, man, I like the Cubs because like, like they're on TV all the time. And I could watch Sammy Sosa. And I could watch all the different guys that they have play at Wrigley. It was, it was really cool. The year I stopped liking the Cubs, though, was when the Steve Bartman incident happened where they were playing in a series against, I believe it was the Florida Marlins and it was game six, I believe. And Moises Alou is going out for trying to catch a, a fly ball that was in foul territory. And Bartman who's listened to a ra- who's listening to the radio broadcast on some headphones and if y'all ever listen to the radio broadcast, y'all know that there's a delay between the radio broadcast and what you see live. Um, you know, it, the, the length, you know, it varies by, by, uh, by station and whatnot, but there's generally a delay by of a few seconds. He didn't know that Moises Alou was out there tracking that ball. He was just like, Oh, fly ball. Okay. Here's my chance to go out there and, and get a baseball. And he goes out there, tries to catch it, and because he went out there and got that ball, Moises Alou wasn't able to get the out. Moises was pissed after. He he threw down his glove. And everybody in that stadium made him public enemy number one after that. It was so bad. I don't know if you've ever seen the the, uh, 30 for 30 catching hell that they had on ESPN. Um, I watched a few, a few years ago when they first put it out. It was like a decade ago. And it just reminded me of why I, I don't like the Cubs anymore. Because they scapegoated that man. Because their team wasn't good enough to win a World Series for over a century. And it just it pissed me off. Because, like, that man did nothing. He went out there and he tried to catch a fly ball that he thought he was going to be able to take home as a souvenir Uh, From his time at a, at a Cubs playoff game. And instead, because of that one play that did not cost the Cubs a a win, mind you, they had plenty of chances to win that game and they had chances in the next game to win. They blamed him for that. And they treated him like trash so much that he had to go into hiding. He couldn't, he didn't want to do interviews. He didn't want to be a part of any of that to this day. That man still is in hiding because of how they treated him. Even after they won the World Series, he's like, no, I'm not going to go out here and, and be a part of that. Like, that's the kind of, that's how I feel like Kansas City is acting towards Eric Bienemy. We've got to scapegoat somebody. It's got to be somebody's fault. Let's blame Eric bien And I just, I hate that, because to me, it absolves the people who are really culpable for it as uh, who are really culpable, culpable for it, it absolves them of their responsibility, which I believe is Patrick Mahomes. And I think it's okay for us to admit that Patrick choked. It's not the end of the world. We don't need heads to roll. You know, we don't need to kick him out because he, he, he did bad in a, in a big game. It's I, I described this after the game. It's like when your child does something wrong, you're disappointed you're angry at them, but if you really love them, you'll forgive them, and you'll hope that they do better. You'll help them do better, or hope that, you know, in this case, we can't really help him. He's He's got coaches to do that for him, but you hope that he does better next time. That's what it is with Patrick, but the first part to that happening is us accepting that it was on him because, yeah, there was other parts that, that resulted in that loss, too, Certainly some missed sacks by the defense, but ultimately it was on him. And at the end of the day, I feel like we're scapegoating Eric Biennium when we say it's his fault, especially when we're not giving him credit for what happened the week before when they hosted the Buffalo Bills, when they were down three with 13 seconds left and they proceeded to go down the field. Over 40 yards in 10 seconds, get into field goal range, and then get the ball against the number one defense in the NFL, score a touchdown to start overtime. Sometimes it just doesn't work out all the time. And you got to give credit to the, to the Bengals' defense for going out there and doing their part. But Mahomes, he's the one that's culpable for that end. He wasn't taking those bad sacks the week before. He wasn't making the bad decisions that he was before throwing a a pick right to a defensive lineman. He did that two weeks earlier against the Steelers too. ball got tipped up in the air interception didn't cost him as much because it happened in the first quarter against a punchless Steelers team, but he still did it. He had two interceptions like that to me. And then he also had that bad interception of Tyreek in overtime to me he's more culpable for it than Eric B. Enemy. And I think also what this highlights, though, is that, I, I, and, and I've been calling it a blog post all morning because it's not an article. Like, that is not journalism. That is someone typing a bunch of lies on a blog website and posting it up there and acting as if it's some sort of expose. That's not. Anytime anyone posts any sort of expose about something, they put their name on it. Like, I don't know if you remember this, Tenpenny, or any of the listeners here. Um, Kent Babb used to write for the Star. Uh, he was great, great writer. He posted this article in the Star called Arrowhead Anxiety, and it talked about the dysfunction in the Chiefs organization back when Peoli was here. It was actually one of the pieces that really got me into like sports radio a lot because I remember hearing like Nick Wright talk about it a bunch and like Bink talk about it a lot and just like hearing the uh, the complete dysfunction that was going on at Arrowhead when Peoli was there. It really got me into it and like that was a great piece because he took the time to to verify everything that was in there. Cause those were some pretty explosive accusations where you had people that believed that the place was bugged because they, they didn't trust. They, they wouldn't put it past Scott Pioli to, to bug their offices just in case he could find any reason to fire someone like people were that anxious and afraid at Arrowhead. Like it was that kind of season. I mean, it was just one of the great pieces of journalism that the stars ever printed. And I just remember it and was like, like that, that's journalism. That's hard work. That probably took him months to write. Whoever did this, like the person who said that they did that that claimed that they made this, said they did it, they did that whole thing in two weeks. Nobody like Matt Verderan was on the a round table on, on the drive with C Dot. And said something like that would take way longer than two weeks to write. So what that was with no name on it with and I don't unnamed sources. Look, that happens all the time. All the insiders don't name their sources because none of those guys are going to talk to them. If they start, they start snitching and telling everybody. Yeah, so-and-so person, the janitor told me this. Like no one's going to, no one's going to talk to him at that. So I don't, I don't need, I don't need the sources. But if you're not going to put your name on your work, that tells me that you got some nefarious agenda that, that you're, you're playing at. And if, you, if you're going out here and saying things that, that are easily discredited by people who have real connections in that organization, like saying that Eric Bienamy has in his contract that he has basically ultimate authority over the offense, like when people who have actual connections with that organization, can tell you that that's a lie, yeah, you lose all credit. When no, uh, none of the organizations, media organizations here, like print and whatnot, are willing to even entertain that there's any truth to that, that's how you know it's a lie. And I hope that Chiefs fans can differentiate between someone trying to put something out to sway opinion with lies versus someone doing real investigative work that has a track record, that has, uh, that has the clout to go out there and put something like that. Because the people who, or person who put out that blog post, if they're lying, they lose nothing. They didn't put their name on it. They can hide behind anonymity, and they don't have to worry about anyone uh, running them and you know, dragging them through the mud for being wrong or outright lying. But if, you know, say, Sam McDowell for the star were to put something out like that, He'd have a hell of a lot to lose if he were to be wrong. If uh, Vahe Gregorian were to put out something like that and he was wrong, he'd have a lot to lose. But somebody who calls themselves the Chiefs Kingdom editorial board, they ain't got nothing to lose with, with lying or being wrong about something. And that's the reason why they, they put it out there. Because for them, the results don't matter as long as they get what they want. They don't care about being dragged as long as they get what they want. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you about another story, another example of someone trying to to ruin trying to ruin the reputation of the Chiefs and why we got to stop entertaining stories like this. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
1: Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring.
2: Final 20 minutes here. Big Sunday, 16 Sports Radio, 16 Sports.com. Christian Ocero. Chris Tenpenny. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Tenpenny. I'm I'm watching the NASCAR pre-race, like race day show on FS1. I'm seriously trying to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this year. I tried the last two years. Two years ago, it wasn't happening. Like, it just wasn't happening. Like if that was the only thing I could watch, it wasn't happening. Last year, that got me for like almost a month. Like, I'm gonna try. I'm I'm gonna really try to watch NASCAR this year, man.
1: We started this show, it was like, okay, I'm just gonna watch it a little bit, you know, and now you're watching the pre stuff. I,
2: I have it on, yeah. I have it on FS <laughs> one right now. They're talking to Chase Elliott. Like, uh I'm 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 gonna try. I I really I think he won the I think he won the title two years ago. I I'm gonna try. I can't guarantee I'm gonna stick with it, but I'm gonna try. Go Bubba Wallace. Like I was happy when he won that race last year. I was like, yeah, Michael Jordan's team. Yeah, let's go. We'll see. We'll see if they can keep my, my attention here. Like they, I mean, they might have to go the way of baseball and make some changes. Like they've been trying to change it up so much over the last few years to keep people interested. Maybe they need to like stop doing it on the, the ovular track so much where it's just like straight and to the left. Like, like maybe they should do more road courses. Cause I actually think the road courses are really interesting. I think they should probably try to do that more. It's a little bit, it's a little bit kind of repetitive. Cause like you don't need to actually watch the whole NASCAR race. Like you could just turn it on for like background noise or whatever. Like it's like probably the last 50 laps that are like really great. Like, especially cause like guys are, like really trying now. And like, if you get into a wreck, it's like really devastating. like, it it, like you got to drive like their guys are driving more aggressively, but they're still trying to be safe. Cause like, you know, if you get into a little dust up, whatever, you know, you could probably get back in it or whatever. But at the end, like you got to salvage as much, as much points as you possibly can. So I want to get into another story that came out over this week, just more slander on the chiefs, a former NFL offensive lineman, Rich Orenberger, who is also a host on Fox Sports Radio, Steve Hartman, put out a tweet Friday afternoon alleging that Patrick Mahomes reached, had a sit down with his fiance, Brittany, and his brother, Jackson, and told them, do not come to any games this year. You're hurting my brand. And, you know, I was. Picking up groceries, doing the Walmart curbside pickup deal, which I'm telling you, ever since this pandemic started, I've been using that curbside pickup. Amazing. Lifesaver. It has been awesome. Just do it on the app and just roll up and they just put it in your trunk. That's great. Like, if y'all not on that life, like, it's just one of the little luxuries of life having someone else do your grocery shopping for you. Like, just, if you haven't tried it, try it. It saves you a lot of time. That's like an hour saved on my Friday afternoons.
1: You do it for your fruits and vegetables too? Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't know. That's what gets me. I want to be in there and, and make sure I get the good ones.
2: And maybe, and if you want to do that, I can understand. Maybe you just like get, do another stop because like I'm I'm not, you know, I usually don't shop for my produce at Walmart. Usually, I'm gonna go to like the Hen House or the Hy-Vee or some place like that. You know, you know, I, I think they got a little bit better selection as far as produce goes, or, or like the meats too. Because yeah, I don't. I get my meats from like Hen House. Hen House be having them big ass chicken thighs. They're huge. They are huge. I'm telling you. Like you want to get the, if you gonna get you some chicken. I'm about to pick me some on the way home because uh, we're gonna do a we're gonna do a crockpot thing with some chicken. That's the way to go is henhouse, house, big ass thighs, like the boneless, skinless thighs. Those are the ones you want to get. But yeah, I was, I was in the Walmart curbside pickup area, picking up my groceries. And I looked on Twitter because sometimes they'd be taking forever. And I saw this story floating around like Patrick Mahomes is trending and you know how it is. Like, Patrick Mahomes trending. Like, usually it's somebody said something stupid about Patrick Mahomes. Like, oh, he's not a top five quarterback. You know, you know, Mac Jones is a better quarterback than him. Like, you know you know how it is. You know how it works, Patrick Mahomes. Somebody trying to slander him every day, especially now. But I'm going to tell you this. When I saw that, that tweet from Rich Ornberger, I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, this is false. This is patently false. And I'll I'll tell you this. First off, I didn't trust it because, you know, radio guys generally aren't the best guys for breaking news. Like, that's the reason why you don't hear guys here very often trying to break news here. Like, Vern is usually not the breaking news guy. If he does, he's reporting on something that everyone else has also reported. Like, Fesco will do something every now and then. CDOT will do something every now and then. But because they're not trying to do it all the time, they've got a ton of credibility, and they know people in those organizations. So, like, they've earned the clout to be able to do that. But, like, Rich Orenberger ain't no damn breaking news guy. I've never seen that man. And it's funny because, like, right before that, he tweeted out something about Tom Brady apparently having issues with Bruce Arians, which is the reason why he decided to retire. Bruce Arians this morning came out and said it was BS. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Tom Brady. I haven't heard I, – I haven't seen anything from Brady yet. But I imagine he'll say the same thing. But he tweeted that out, and then – Uh, A few hours later, he, like, quote tweeted and said, oh, yeah, my sources were bad. I should have vetted it. And then he went on Fox Sports Radio that night and was like, yeah, you know, I should have. He tried to – it was funny. He tried to, like, say I'm not the victim here, while also kind of saying he was the victim, which, you know, it's like, look, man, a lot of people in our industry want to break news They want to be the Adam Schefter, the Shams, the the Woj, without doing the work to become those people. It takes years of relationship building to reach that level where you can be a newsbreaker. Like, the reason why Fesco and and CDOT can, can go out there and do that is because they've spent years building relationships with the Chiefs and the Royals. They've spent years talking to those guys. They know those guys. It takes years. Whenever you see a, a, a credible reporter going out there and reporting on something with sources, the sources are probably the decision makers or the assistants of the decision makers who want to put that out to help control narrative. We know that these guys are actively involved in trying to control their own narrative. It it just happens, so no one's gonna put that out there unless they know for sure that this is the truth. At least people with the credibility and track record to do so. But there's a lot of guys in our industry, or even outside, because I've seen. I remember this kid a few years ago with the Kawhi Leonard story. Uh, he was out here tweeting all oh, Kawhi Leonard's for sure. Going, my sources tell me he's gonna go to the Lakers. And then when he went to the Clippers, that kid got drug on Twitter. I felt bad for him, even though I like, I was like, dude, he's going to the Clippers, but like, I, I felt bad for him, man. I felt, I mean, maybe it was maybe I, I didn't, I wasn't certain I was hoping he wasn't going to go to the Lakers. I didn't want LeBron James to get another title, which he, he did anyways. But I mean, I damn sure didn't want him to get another title because I'm a LeBron James hater, but man, like I, I was just not about it. And when he eventually signed with the Clippers, I felt bad for the kid a little bit because he started getting dragged. And it was because he didn't do his due diligence to, to vet his sources, and he hadn't learned that lesson yet. And it's the reason why anybody out there who's trying to be a, a, a newsbreaker, a breaking news guy, an insider, uh, so to speak, vets your sources. Don't just trust anything that somebody told you. Because apparently, whoever sent out this story about Mahomes and 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 Brittany and Jackson had been trying to tell a lot of people about this story. They, I know that I know Matt Verderam got the same text. I know that the son of Mike Florio, who was mistaken for Mike Florio, got the same text. I mean, this was something that somebody was clearly cooking up to try to go out there and slander Patrick Mahomes. It and, and it 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 hurts our industry because it makes us look like fake news and we can't have that. So I would urge anybody who's in that field, do your research before you go out there and tweet something out there. Cause I know I've had instances where I could have broken news. You know, I could have broken a story about Damian Wilson having a knee injury back in 2020. I didn't cause I didn't know if it was true. Caller called in, told me that he was getting his knee. Uh, he was, he was getting his knee drained. I believe it was at uh, KU Med, and I was like, I don't know if that's true. So I told Bink after, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to say it over the air because I don't know if that's true, and I'm not going to go out here and slander Damian Wilson if I, if I don't know if that's true. I don't have the sources to verify whether it's a true story. Two day, I think it was a day or two later it came out to be true, but I was like, I'm not Adam Schefter. I'm not uh, Nate Taylor. I'm not any of these guys that got connections in that organization. I'm not going to go out here and, and, and try to Send that out there if I don't know if it's true, but I, I could have done that, but I, I chose not to because I don't know because I, I, I don't have the connections for that. So hopefully people learn from that and we stop getting slander centered around our Kansas City Chiefs coming up next. I close the show by telling you why I'm actually really excited about the offseason for the Chiefs.
0: You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
2: Final couple minutes here on Bink Sunday, 610 Sports Radio, 610Sports.com. Chris Unocero, Chris Tenpenny closing the show out. You know, this is the first year in probably since the first season that Patrick Mahomes was a starter, since the end of that season that I'm, like, really excited for the offseason. Like, I feel like, because, like, I I, I feel like the Chiefs are kind of in the same position that they were in that 2018 season, where it's like, you know, if they fix issues with their defense, if maybe they add another weapon like all of a sudden they're back to where they were in 2019 where it's like, okay, now they're like clearly better than everyone else where, I mean, certainly there were points during that 2019 season where we questioned them, but then that late run in the regular season, six straight wins, you get to the playoffs. And like, I think we were all pretty confident about that team. We were pissed about how they started the game against the Texans, but like we were, we were pretty confident with how they were going to end the season but like I felt like that team just like couldn't be beaten. I and I, I felt like because of the way they handled the off season, they couldn't be beaten. And after that, I was really like, like after they won the Super Bowl, like I was. It to me, I was just like ready for twenty twenty two. Like right now, I don't know if I want to see this Chiefs team in twenty twenty two right now. Like, I want to see them go through the draft process. Like, I think there's going to be some drastic changes that they're going to make. The Chiefs are going to be really uh, aggressive this offseason. I really feel like it, especially after what we've seen for Veach in two offseasons where after 2018, it was very transformative. They completely revamped their defense and things changed. Then, on all, then in, after the 2020 season, you completely change things around with your offensive line and we knew they needed to do that and i mean they just went all in just four brand new starters on their offensive line two guys taken in the draft on their offensive line both became very good starters like they just were aggressive and i feel like this is the year where like they could take some major steps to ensure that they're staying competitive long term you know fixing their pass rush getting another number one capable receiver like they could do some massive transformative things uh, this offseason and i feel like that's the reason why i'm i'm re- I, like i'm 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 locked in i was down about that loss to the Bengals. and so much so i, I was like i don't want to watch i don't want to look at any of the the mock drafts like i remember being on here with bink that tuesday after i was like dude i don't care who they take <laughs> like seriously i was like i was like i don't care who they take like clery little my guess whatever and then like the next week after the Pro Bowl is like, okay, I'm locked in. Let's do this. I want to see this team go out there and perform. And so now I want to, I, I'm really excited for the draft. I'm really excited for free agency. And I'm very hopeful because we've seen what Brett Veach can do as a general manager. We've seen their ability to identify talent. I mean, just finding three slam dunk picks with Bolton, Humphrey, and, and uh and, and Trey, they've found a lot of really good talent. So now I'm really excited about this next process. Special thanks to Chris Tenpenny for doing all the hard work today. Special thanks to you, the listener, for taking time out of your Sunday morning to listen to us. This is Chris Ocero. I'll be back Tuesday night here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the Odyssey app.
0: You're listening to Bink Sunday
2: on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.